Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren, I'm the Berserker. Uh, my name is Jessica, I'm the Spirit Healer. And with us today we have two very special guests to round out the party. Andy? I'm not exactly sure what I am. Um, I did used to go bow hunting, so we'll, we'll say marksman for the time being. Nice. Sweet. Alright, alright, we've got we got all three classes, and we've got uh, our, other, our other lovely guest, Leona, on. Leona, what's your class in spec? Oh, you caught me at a bat. I don't know. <laughs> Shadow. Ooh, there we go. Nice. I like it. Good choice. Nice. We got this. All right. Welcome to episode 59 of The Wonders of the Fetus. This time we're talking about a background. We had ourselves a poll to talk about specializations from the corners of Thetis. Uh, and this time we actually came to a tie between the Ander Survivor and the Ravaini Merchant. Mm. Uh, and uh, we actually haven't had a tie in a long say, time. Is, is this like our first tie? I want to say maybe our second one. Okay. But uh, I've decided that the tie-breaking votes go to the patron to go to the Patreon voters. Yeah. Uh, and the patrons voted for the Ravani Merchant, so we're going Yay. to Ravain today. Yay! Let's do it. Uh, we'll go ahead and. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, you know what? We'll start with a quick... Uh, we haven't gotten to do this one in a while. This Week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Welcome to This Week in Thetis. It's a quick one today. Uh, we're talking faces of Thetis a little bit. Um... Amazon is still listing it as coming out potentially this month. Um, this could be it. I mean, that, that could be good. That could be good, right? I'm hoping. And- Hopefully. I mean, fingers crossed. I've had it on order since what? March? February? Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I, I think our FLGS is still holding a pre-order for me. Yeah, I think I think Phil's been sitting on that one for a while. On the, the Green Ronin forums, it, it seems like... You know, there, uh, the Amazon UK listing was pushed pushed back all the way to, to January, but one of their one of their reps <gasps> one of their reps though said that doesn't make a lot of sense. It'll be out well before then. Not that they not okay. that he gave a finite date, but hopefully that means the right. August twenty eighth date will stay finite. That'd be nice. That would be good. Mm-hmm. So I got my tomorrow, fingers. So. <laughs> I got fingers, mm-hmm. toes, and eyes crossed that it comes out the eighth. <laughs> yep. Get the elbows and the and the and the knees crossed too. That's we a, can do that's that a lot too, of yeah. crossing. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not that I'm not that dexterous. Um, I'm a mage. Green Ronin usually sends out PDFs of their new books. Uh, I think usually about a month or maybe like two or three weeks ahead of the physical release of the book. What they've been doing for the past couple of books, uh, like for Fantasy Age Companion and for Modern Age, is they release the PDF early, uh, so folks who have pre-ordered can get the PDF right away, uh, and folks who have you know pre-ordered for Green Ronin or through participating brick-and-mortar stores can get the PDF for five extra dollars, but you get it right away. Um, 
But then what they usually do is they let us look at the book, uh, and then they usually uh, can count on a lot of folks uh, raising their hands and being like, well, actually, which means that we're going to get a lot of fixes into the book before they goes to print. I mean, those weren't maybe the best words you could have chosen, but Correct. I know what you mean. We, I mean, we know there's going to be a few, at the very least. We're going to be sad about it, but... Well, I mean, there's there's something to be said for crowdsourcing your editing. Oh, absolutely. Like, I was there's just nothing mostly wrong thinking with that. about the uh, the tone that they would take. Oh, I mean, it's it's possible. The more sets of eyes, the more you'll find. It's exactly. true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, true. it's it's just smart. Which means it'll come out a polished book. Uh, so then, of course, once the P, uh, then they'll start sending out print, uh, which will be, you know, proofread by the fans, which will definitely be a cu- probably a couple of us. Uh, I will definitely be hitting those forms once that PDF comes around. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, for those of you who are looking for some in-fiction, uh, inspiration, Hard and Hightown has been released as a book a few weeks ago. Uh, Dark Horse made this, right? Yeah. I have the... I got the ebook and I got the hard copy. Nice. Because that's just me. And it's brought me <laughs> so much joy. Is it a, <laughs> I mean, is it a it's, novel or a. Yeah, or it's a, a novella. Okay. It's, it's about, I think it's like 90 or so pages. Okay. If you read all the codex entries in Inquisition, it kind of it expands on those. Nice. Everyone in Dragon Age 2 has a cameo and you can figure out who <laughs> is who. And Fantastic. Oh my god. It's in um, a female hawk is the one that's used, and you can't tell me if you read this book that Beric didn't have a thing for a female hawk. You, you <laughs> oh, cannot man. tell me it didn't. It wasn't oh, there. Man, <sighs> I think that's probably a fair assessment. Oh, what was the one line? And that makes uh, me happy. In Da two, yeah, I left out the part about us. I really <laughs> wish that hat was that had been in the game. I really wish. Because then Oof. that would have made me really happy. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, there were a lot of people gunning for that romance. So close. Uh, so close. Maybe this is it. Who knows? It happens in my head. <laughs> and in your heart. <laughs> and in my heart, yes. And in bad fanfic all over the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and in, yes, fanfic oh, yeah. everywhere. Never underestimate the powers of fanfic. And not all of it's bad. That's true. There, there are some exceptional fans. There are some really good ones. To their credit, there are also some really bad ones. Yes, agreed. Like at some point, we should do it. Like a, uh, I don't know about tonight, but at some point, we should do a post show and mm. just talk about like the worst fan fiction we've ever seen or heard of. Because I got some doozies <laughs> for you. <laughs> should we keep it on brand and have it be about Dragon Age? Or well, just... no, because then I can't talk about the solitaire fan fiction that oh, I found uh, on the internet. Solitaire, like the solitaire? card game. Like the card game slash fiction. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you guys can't see the faces being made I, I over the internet, <laughs> but rest assured that they're pretty good. <laughs> the sad thing is, like I can I can start in my mind. Yeah. The spade slowly slipped beneath the queen of diamonds. No, yep, yeah. Oh god. I didn't oh. actually read that much of it. I mostly just checked to make sure I wasn't being trolled. Like, make sure it wasn't a link to a Rickroll or something. Oh, God. Like. Why? Because inquiring minds have to know. Oh, man. Do they? Now, I, now I'm curious. Really... Uh, right? See? Robert Penn Warren said it bet The end of man is to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Well, I, I want to know. 
<laughs> we should I, definitely do a bonus episode about fanfic, Leona. Oh, like, okay. I think we should do that. That'd be fun. Oh, man. Well, my mic is always up here. I... You can come with us on this journey. You guys can both come with oh, us man. on this journey. I'll look for some. I'll look for some crazy Dragon Age fic. It'll be a good time. Oh, it's out there. Well, I was gonna say, what was the? There was a. I'm about to go look now. There was like a, a Gen Con event that was like Cards Against Dragon Age, where they made Cards Against Humanity cards for Dragon Age. Oh man! Uh, oh yeah, I'm it's pretty um, sure cards... one of. The, I'm pretty sure one of those cards was uh, another Corypheus X Architect slash fic. Oh, oh yeah. No. yeah. Oh um, no! Yeah, cards against Thetis. <laughs> I think it's actually. Oh, you God. can find some of them out online. Just, <laughs> no one needs to think that. But oh, now man. you are. And now, and now it's uh, festering in our heads, quite like the blight. <laughs> Moving right along, we're going to go ahead yeah, and consult well. our codexes before we. Uh... You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got uh, two questions, which are... Uh, and actually, I've got a third question that I need to add that I got, uh, like, hours ago. Oh, wow. um, but uh, it's a good one. It's a good one to talk about. So uh, first we'll start uh, with Romulo Moraes through our Facebook. Thank you again. Um, Romulo writes, Hi, one is the I want to make a Fade adventure with my group, but I have a Dwarven PC in it. Since Dwarves can't dream and don't have a connection to the Fade, what would be would that be out of lore? I didn't play as a Dwarf in Origins, so I didn't know what happens with he or she in the Fade uh, part of the game. Um, I'm pretty sure you just go into the Fade yeah. as a Dwarf. Yeah. Which, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it seems a little improbable. I actually did a little well, digging on this. Um, you know, ooh, putting my you know, research skills to use. Um... The Dragon Age wiki was was pretty comprehensive on this. The idea that it's not that dwarves don't have a link to the Fade, because they obviously have emotions. Um, it's that their link isn't strong enough to go naturally. So a dwarf, if he's pulled into, uh, into the Fade mentally by a mage or by a demon... Uh, we see that in the Circle Tower quest in DAO. We see that in um, Dragon Age 2 with Keeper Marathari and the, the Night Terrors mm -hmm. quest. You know, if uh, Varric could be taken into the Fade. So it can still be done. It's just there has to be some kind of external locus to make that happen. Either a mage or a demon or someone else that's uh, arcanely okay. talented that makes pulls sense. them into the Fade. All right. Yeah, I could see that making a lot more sense then. That they are in fact connected. They're just it's just a weaker connection. You got to have somebody actually like open the door. They're still working on like a sixteen or uh, fourteen bit modem. Everyone else. Yeah, is there you go. <laughs> they're still running AOL. Uh -huh. Like it's uh, it's problematic. Fifty six K. That's the number I was thinking. Sorry. Here we go. I found that quite no. Oh. What are you doing? We are experiencing technical difficulties. We're experiencing some tech difficulties. Here we go. All right. Well, hopefully um, I think that answers that question pretty well. Yeah. Uh, has to be through special circumstance, rituals, or weird demon powers. But other than that, sure, dwarves can go in. Yeah. You just gotta let them in. They can't, like, just fall asleep and let it happen. All right. 
Thank you, as always, uh, Romulo. We appreciate it. Uh, next couple of questions come from uh, Gavin Wadsworth, uh, who I, when I was reading the document that they sent, uh, I think goes by Gavin Wad, uh, but we'll just call you Gavin for now. Um, that's a little bit of setup for it. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have ever had the pleasure of playing Jade Empire, perhaps my favorite Bioware game. Uh, so what I'm saying might mean little to you, but I have found a host of evidence that include, that indicates the region of the Jade Empire itself lies somewhere in the west of Thetis. Not only that, but the merchant, but the mechan mechanics behind the Fades, Spirits, Demons, Ghosts, Blood Magic, Golems, and more are all virtually identical in both settings. I could go on and on, and I'm working on a compelling, comprehensive guide on the topic. Uh, my question is, what do you think about the idea of having a sister setting in the Dragon Age tabletop RPG? Uh, one with Asian-inspired martial or magical martial arts and stuff. Obviously, the true regions haven't had much contact with each other so far, but it could be fun to run a campaign in which the two cultures clash. I'm thinking a fourth class might be in order for the martial artists of the Jade Empire, an unarmored warrior with minor primal magic. But does that sound like something that would be cool, and should I get to work homebrewing some Jade Age content? And what considerations should I make when doing so? Um, this sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. My literal, like, I have not played it, but my literal only consideration, but it is kind of a big one, is make sure you talk to people, if you are not yourself, of this particular, like, cultural background. And, uh, like, if you're not from this sort of culture, talk to people from various parts of Asia and from various cultures that you plan to draw from and make sure that you're respecting the source and using the pieces of it in ways that are respectful to the source and that mesh in mm -hmm. ways that make sense. I, I honestly think that might be why Bioware and EA haven't gone ahead with another Jade Empire, is that, mm -hmm. that uh, Jade Empire is a really good game with a really good story, with a lot of cultural appropriation in it. Um, there's a lot of Japanese and Chinese and Korean myth that just gets blended together as generic Oriental fantasy setting, which... Hmm. I mean, well, maybe it could use a revamp. Yeah, that, this is very true. That's also, that's also a, a lot of work. Um, not saying it can't mm -hmm. be done, not saying it's not worth being done. Um, Gavin, I'm going to throw some cold water on you, brother. And I, oh. and I hate to do this because again, I, I I did my I did some digging, um, because you're not the only one who's thought of this. Actually, there there are a number of people who are uh, they've mentioned this fellow Sir Roderick Ponce von Fontelbottom, the magnificent bastard. So, and uh, there's a number of other you know allusions, but apparently a lot of those have just came down to and this this was confirmed on the bioware forums when they were still up that it was a running joke between david gator and luke uh chris jansen uh who was the lead guy on jade empire and that it's it's meant to be one-off stuff entirely it's not um there's no canon basis for it unfortunately gotcha um Ooh. now not saying it can't be cool, but I'm going to put my, my GMing hat on here. We run into the, uh, the Ship of Theseus problem again, where the more, of, the more you take something away from being Dragon Age, the more it's going to be something else. So in here, all right, so Jade Empire has the Celestial Hierarchy and, you know, uh, and a whole, you know, a whole number of interactions with spirits while while in Dragon Age 
there's nothing like that whatsoever. That's going to be a big point of rectification, and if you go one way or another, you're going to get further away from, from one. So, could be awesome. And the, the age mechanic, if you want to use Fantasy Age to, to break that out, that's a, it's a great way to do it. That's what generic uh, systems are for. I might recommend alternatively looking into something like Legend of the Five Rings. However, um, I don't know that I would, with with the, the nuances that DA specifically has, I don't know that that's something I would specifically go down. But more power to you if you're going to. Yeah, I think that if, uh, if you're looking for a bit of a twist on the original, if you're looking for a little more expansion, if you feel like you've done everything in this sort of area, although there's a lot to do, um, like, if this is what you and your players are looking for, as long as you're able to find ways to implement it that are respectful to the cultures it comes from, I say go for it. Give it a shot. See what comes up. It just because, uh, you know, just because David Gator yeah. says something doesn't mean you can, you have to listen. Yeah, no, he doesn't even work there. <laughs> he doesn't even work anymore. No, I'm sorry, David Gator. We, we love you. But Canon doesn't matter. It's at your the world. It's, it's whatever the canon yeah. is for the game you're playing. It's just, you know. Yeah, when you're running the game, it's your game. It's not it's not really defined by anybody but you. And if you can find a way to make it feel seamless, then by all means. More power to you. Figure it out. Have fun. Leona, did you want to say something? Um, I never played Jade Empire. <laughs> so yeah, full I'm... full disclosure, neither have I. Okay. But yeah, well, everything that Andy said, um, I, I I would probably I agree with it. The farther you get away from Dragon Age, the less that it's Dragon Age. If you want to do something with this eight with the Asian inspired, you know, go with the generic system. They make the the, the generic system is out there. You know, use it. Mm-hmm. Make it your That's own. Advantage Age is for. Yeah. But I, right. I, would, I would definitely, mm-hmm. though, if, if that's something you're going to do, take a look at some other Asian-inspired, uh, uh, Asian-inspired games to see how to see how they've gotten. I don't want to say gotten around how they've dealt with the issue of cultural appropriation and the fact that let's be honest here, a lot of these books are being written by fat white guys like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, well, you go ahead. As I was going to say, you know, it, it's not, it's n- usually not coming from a bad place, but it really needs to be given the respect it deserves. Exactly. And For sure. Yes. Yeah. Because as, you know, even if you are a person who is, uh, you know, from a culture that is more the majority, like you can't just white, no, white, you can't write, just write white people. Like Exactly. That's, that's also pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So finding that balance, I think, can be very tricky. But it involves other people's voices, so go get some. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. These naysayers, I don't know what they're talking about. I think this could be interesting. <laughs> Jessica's on board. All right. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be, uh, incidentally, we'll be coming back to you in the Dissonant Verses, uh, as this question was asked of me a little while ago, uh, and a development may have occurred. Uh, but the next question comes from Drunkle Grog, uh, but specifically from Drunkle Grog's sister, uh, Wannabe Supergirl. I like your name. Uh-huh. It's a good name. Uh, good question. Uh, she's got, uh, as grown-ups playing RPGs, how does one handle stop times? 
what does one do when GMs begging uh, begin to run late on work or school nights? And this is this is one that we have been uh, having to learn how to combat ourselves as well. Oh yeah, I think this is pretty standard though. Like mm-hmm. you just when GMs are begging to run late on a work or a school night, think about it from like if it's a thing you can manage, be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And if you can't, be like, nah, sorry, I really, I got a thing tomorrow. And if your GM is, you know, an adult, then they will understand that, you know, real life has to come before game. And no, I cannot stay up until midnight and go to a grad class at, you know, seven in the morning. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's that's a sort of conversation that has to happen at your session zero, where you set that expectation. Look, game's gonna mm, run from point. seven to ten thirty. At ten thirty, we're gonna call we're gonna call a halt. You know, pack up, head out by eleven, yep. or or what have you. Um, sometimes that's very difficult. Oh, we just have you know two rounds of this combat left. Well, at a certain point, is it that critically vital? Call the combat. You guys have won. Congratulations. You were about to win mm-hmm. anyway you know, move along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, as much as we, I, we'd all love to be gaming, you know, 24-7, real life That's calls. True. <laughs> and we have to be respectful mm-hmm. of that. But lay down, your, yep. lay down your expectations at the start of the campaign and stick to your guns. We said we're going to stop at 11, we're going to stop at 11. Yep. I think that's just really the best way to go about it. Like, being respectful, but being an adult, it's like, hey, I, you know, I've got stuff I have to do in the morning. I can't stay for this. Being grown up is awful. Mm. It is. Grown up, it sucks. Terrible. You know, and <laughs> you know, set it at session zero, but also, you know, make sure you, you know, keep coming back to that. Like, okay, guys, remember, we need to hard stop at ten tonight mm-hmm. because mm. whatever. You know. um... For my game, it's not, you know, 7 to 10. It's actually 2 to 10. And um, <laughs> we, <Jealous>. play on, <laughs> we play on Sundays. Um, so, you know, maybe if it gets to be a problem where you're constantly going past that, maybe around 9.30, one of you set an alarm on your phone. So at 9.30, okay, how much longer do we have to go in what we're doing? Can we wrap this up now? Can we wrap it up by 10 o'clock? Mm. Or if it gets to be 10 o'clock... You know, do we, and you're really into it, maybe have a quick conversation. Do you want to continue or do we really, or do you really want to go? Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets to the point where, yeah, I do have to be up at seven o'clock, but maybe I can go another half an hour. And I would say that the key with those conversations though, is, some, I don't know how you manage this, but. If even one person is like, no, I really, I can't tonight. I gotta go do something. Then it stops. Yeah, everybody needs to be okay with that. Like, even if everybody else is like, yeah, let's keep going. And that one person's like, I gotta take my kid to school in the morning. I can't do this. It has to be a, yeah, it has to be a unanimous yes. Yeah. And as long as you set those rules at the beginning, then, you know, there should, I don't think you should have a problem going forward. And hopefully nobody has that, well, everybody else said yes, so I feel like I had to say yes, too. That is the one thing that concerns me as well. Right, mm-hmm. right. Don't, if you set it up in the beginning, say, you know, I re- it's a unanimous yes, and if one person says no, that's it. We stop, and nobody 
feels has to feel bad about it. Yes. Uh, in, Communication uh, in your group. Time that we live in, you know, we have you know where we can just reach down. Oh, I'll set an alarm. It's you know, and everyone yeah. has their cell phone at the table. Let's be realistic here. Everyone yeah. has that. It, it should be a very easy thing. Yeah, unless you there? unless you ban cell phones, and in some cases, I can see the argument for it, but. I, Not everybody does that. In fact, most people don't. So. I've only encountered that once, and that was at a convention game. Yeah. That's and I, you got to get through that in a, while, a certain amount of time. And I have kids, so I always have my phone out at the at the table. I'm silent, mm-hmm. but if oh yeah they call, I have to answer it. And even then, I mean, if you're, if your GM's using yeah. their computer, I, I know I do constantly. I know Ren, you do. Mm-hmm. You put the mm-hmm. alarm on the I computer. Do. Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Make it, make it a Sirenscape alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Block for Sirenscape. Hmm. Wink. <laughs> did you just thumbs up the microphone? Yeah, I did. They can't see you. I know, they, they felt it in okay. their heart, in their heart of hearts. <laughs> it was a sound thumb. Yeah. Comment if you uh, if you felt the thumbs up. Comment, like, and subscribe if you felt yeah. the thumbs Ring up. Ring that bell. No, we're not. We're not on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, I'd have to actually, like, you know, dress up for these or something. And right. I'm not Ew. doing that. Yeah, no. Gross. Um, I have to look presentable? No way. Uh, let's see. That's why we... Maybe uh, today. My hair uh, is pink. It's okay. Right, right. That could, that could work. Um, thank you, everybody, for the questions. And, of course, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, send a message to wondersofthetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts. Or send a personal message to Kant the Protector or HealerPuff on the Green Running forums. Or send a message to Kant or Lise on the D20 radio forums. That's, That's us. us. In sync, even. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Pow. Bam. We did it. Mm-hmm. That's what marriage looks like, everybody. <laughs> saying your, uh, <laughs> saying your, your, your podcast singers at the same time. Yeah. And even kind of in the same pitch of voice. Hmm, just a little bit. Uh, anyway, we're going to go ahead and open our books to those dissonant verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Of course, but... <sighs> We've actually got some stuff for you this time in the Distant Verses. Two solid solid creations. Uh, the first one uh, perhaps comes from somebody uh, on this show. Uh, he, I think he's pretty cool. What's his name? I just... Uh, what? It's, uh, like... some, somebody, some, some guy, <laughs> some... Uh... Never heard of him. Nah, some this I, Andy I Klosky guy. Him, I don't think so. we've ever talked about him on the podcast before. Nah. <laughs> or you know, he's awesome, and this thing that he has made is awesome, <laughs> and you should check it out. Um, Spoilers. And he's turning red. I see. I see it through As the mic. As promised, a, a, a few <laughs> episodes ago, um, uh, we have the convention scenario that I just ran at Gen Con: Silver Wings on a Black Woo! Wall, all about uh, mm-hmm. some Grey Warden politics in the Inquisition era. Uh, it's originally designed for 6th level characters, which worked perfectly, big surprise, for the uh, pre-gen characters that I uh, put up previously uh, on the, under the resources page. So if you are not running an Inquisition game, those guys are built specifically for this adventure. There's uh, all sorts of 
um, lovely little plot hooks for all the different informa- uh, different reveals that come out during Inquisition. Of course, nice. this is set during the events of DAI, so spoilers abound. <laughs> yes. Boy, beware of the spoilers. I mean, like, one of the, let's see, one of the major plot hooks is a rather big one if you haven't played Inquisition, so be prepared. Uh, and maybe disclose to, if your GM wants to run it, or uh, just feel free to disclose how much you know about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I got to look at it a little bit, and it's it's really cool, Andy. You did, you did you. I mean... You're you're a professional. You have your own publishing company, so I mean, you don't need me to tell you good work, but uh, good work. <laughs> I I did enjoy the um, the multiple endings, the uh, much uh, much Whoa. like in traditional DA fashion. Uh, there is a I don't want to say slideshow for the end, but there are uh, based on what the what the party chooses, there are multiple potential endings, and right. a number of implications for the rest of Thetis. Oh man, mm. sounds good. Oh man, it's kind of so, like being part of a choose-your-own-adventure, except way better. <laughs> That's this whole game, I thought. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, except... you can't you can't die of a yeti in this one, can you? I just edited I mean... an adventure where people are dying from yetis, so yes, you can. Oh no, <laughs> it is a choose-your-own-adventure. You get killed by the yeti every time. <laughs> Stupid Yetis. I wish I Stupid. was kidding. That's actually one of the adversaries <laughs> in that adventure. Oh, man. I get tired of being right. <laughs> or wrong in this case, actually. No, so I guess it's okay. Cool. All right. Well, you can find the link for the adventure uh, on our blog post. And, of course, you can find it right now in our resources for your game page under the Adventures tab. Um, the next creation uh, comes from our friend Gavin whose question we fielded earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was super excited to see what he would do with Jade Age. So he went and did it. He's got a 47-page PDF of... 47 uh, page! Man, dude goes of, hard. Uh, yeah, he went for it. <laughs> go uh, hard or go, go home. Go home, Gavin. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, uses the Dragon Age rules uh, and has a number of point uh, a number of little bits that he points out that might lead to Thetis and uh, Jade Empire being in the same world. Um, if you want to work with that, that's super cool. Uh, he's got little ways for you to kind of link the two worlds together in there. He's also got backgrounds for Jade Empire. He's got specializations. There's talents. There's new spells. Uh, he went for it. and It was... It, I was very impressed. That is impressive I, I admittedly haven't seen this yet i've just mm-hmm. started my first week of grad school so i've barely even seen ren but uh this looks to be like i mean just from what i'm hearing this is a huge amount of work and something that i think is probably going to be super cool if uh if mm-hmm. if uh used correctly and yes I'm excited. I think now, it's neat. Uh, the way it is right now, it's written underneath under the Dragon Age rules for Fantasy Age. So it uses the Dragon Age uh, ability scores and stat calculations. Um, I don't which is know, very similar to Fantasy Age right. in the first place. I don't know that any of the magic that he introduces is uh, powerful enough to uh, invite demonic possession. I don't even know if demonic possession even happens that much in Jade Empire. Um, 
That would be an interesting way to Which, sort of get the peanut butter and the chocolate, as it were. It could be. It could be. Maybe something changes. Maybe, uh, or you know, maybe it's a dream realm in the fade and someone just went crazy dreaming up a whole world for themselves. Um, but uh, if this works for your games and you like the Jade Empire video game, you should probably check this out. Uh, if not to use it for Dragon Age, uh, you could also probably fairly easily convert a lot of it to Fantasy Age. And it sounds like Gavin actually intends to uh, make, I don't know, like a whole, if he plans to convert the entire document or just include like some notes on conversions for uh, moving it over to Fantasy Age instead of having it with the Dragon Age rules. Cool. We look forward to mm -hmm. seeing it. Uh, now, of course, you can find uh, these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog. One is the latest podcast at wordpress.com. If you'd like to share your custom Dragon Age RPG content, send a message to one is the latest podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts. Send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. Still, Still us. us. Oh, dang. We're oh. two for two. Two for two. Boom. Ow. <laughs> You're on a roll. So, this is so, this is it's too much. Your fist is so pointy. Bone fist. <laughs> well, uh, given that our uh, given that our um, uh, poll was a tie, mm -hmm. it you know it could be that this topic's a bit of a hard sell. Oh man! But I think I'm ready to talk about the Ravani Merchant. Uh, this is the main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So, you're a Ravani merchant. Turn to page 27 of the core rulebook to see this background for yourself, but we're going to be diving right into it. Uh, first, of course, is our big picture question. What is a Ravani merchant? Uh, the Ravani are unique even among the humans of Thetis. Uh, as a Ravani merchant, you are part of a strong people who has not been bent by the Imperium occupation, two blights, three exalted marches, and eventually the Mage Templar War. Uh, there's a long theirs is a long tradition of matriarchy, magical leaders, communal support, and blending of beliefs, uh, and the Imperium, the Chantry, and even the Kunari have not been able to tarnish the spirit of the Ravani. I do kind of love the Ravani. They're really, kind of really interesting. Uh, Ravane is a center of trade, so becoming a merchant is likely a popular vocation of people who travel beyond Ravane. It's also a useful title for smugglers and pirates, which you very well could be as well. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leona, I understand that you enjoy Ravane as well. Oh, I enjoy Ravane so much. Ravane is so cool. It's oh, yeah. so it's so unique in Thetis. Mm -hmm. And it's this nice intersection of so many different disparate elements. You have you have the Canari there, you know, the uh, Tevinter Imperium's not far off. The the Chantry is a huge influence there, but so is uh kind of this hedge magic and apostate tradition. So Lots of, and of course, yes. pirates. Everything's better with pirates. <laughs> with pirates. Yeah. Always. Gamers <laughs> too. Oh, that's, that's a great, that's a great reference. I'm glad you made it. It made my heart happy. <laughs> I mean, people in Ravane have seen stuff and things and have pretty much, have come out better for it sometimes. Truth. 
So, uh, now when we talk about the uh, Ravani Merchant, who in Dragon Age has this background? Uh, I was only, uh, let's see, of the uh, well-known examples, uh, I could dig up two. Uh, and the first one, one this... One particularly obvious one. One in particular yeah. is pretty <laughs> obvious, uh, is Isabella, Dragon Age 2, and I guess Dragon Age Inquisition multiplayer. Um, but this this background feels like it was tailor-made for her. Like, it's... I believe she shows up in Origins, she's just not... She, she is. does show up in Origins, yes. She's in the Pearl. Yep. Yep. Because of course she is. You can interact she... with her in specific you ways. You and several of the other yeah. characters can interact <laughs> You and multiple other NPCs. Multiple... <laughs> she likes she to have looks... a good time. I love Isabella. <laughs> she looks completely different than Dragon Age 2 and onward, though. Mm-hmm. It's a better look for her. It is a better look, I agree. For sure. But our second one surprised me. Our second yeah. uh, person who might mm-hmm. have this background. Uh, Duncan from Dragon Age Origins. Uh, he was uh, Ravani. I did not know I that. loved him. I've learned a thing. Yeah. yeah. His uh, mother was from Ravani. Uh, his armor actually has a very like Ravani specific kind of uh, design. A lot of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, some Ravani pirates, uh, Ravani uh, armor smiths actually use those like ornate little pauldrons and ornate etchings on the breastplates. Uh, but you don't really get to see a lot of his Ravani such and such in it. Uh, you get mentioned. It mentions. It's mentioned a little bit in Dragon Age. Uh, let's see. The, in the novel, he shows up in. Calling. What's it called? The Calling. Yes. Um, his home in Ravane is mentioned a little bit, but we really only talk about his dad. But he is Ravani in descent. Well, that's cool. All right. I've learned a thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this one before, but yeah, I actually although... don't know either. Although uh, she wouldn't take know. this background, what would be in a mage, Vivienne is of Ravani descent. She was actually Vivienne. born in the Free Marches, but yes, both of her yes. parents were from Ravane. Mm-hmm. They were both from Daresmoid? Something. The capital? Is that how you spell, say it? I, that's I how I've been saying it, is Daresmoid. I've been saying Daresmoid. probably. Daresmoid? Oh, you're probably It's right. probably yeah. going to be uh, like Gaelic or Celtic in reference, and therefore... <laughs> Very oh. difficult to pronounce. A whole by bunch reading. of the letters that they typed didn't count. So many yeah. silent letters. I've been saying Diarzmid. I don't know. So all three could be correct or wrong. Or yeah, legit, none of them could be as well. Yeah. We'll wait for DA four, and they'll say it for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it could I mean. be, you know, different places in Ravane call it have different pronunciations. So let's say we're all correct. Sweet. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. All right. Uh, so if you take this background, what's it going to do for you? Uh, it is an excellent background for rogues. Uh, and tailor, again, tailor-made for Isabella. Um, you get a bus, you get three bonus to dexterity. Uh, and your choice between communication, seduction, or dexterity acrobatics. And that alone is very flavorful and very indicative of Isabella. Like, mm-hmm. yep. I love it. It's a good or, start. Or of being Ravani, like, uh, like... You're from Ravane. This is the thing you do. Okie doke. We know how to have a good time in Ravane. Uh, as several Codex entries have told me. <laughs> uh, now, the table that you can roll on uh, allows you potentially to increase willpower, communication, or cunning by one. Uh, and the focuses include communication, persuasion, constitution, swimming, dexterity, brawling, cunning, evaluation, and strength, climbing. I'm not sure where climbing came from, but okay. Uh, I would think climbing maybe like rigging, pirate rigging type thing. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's there it. Is. Absolutely. 
Uh, and then of course you can just take the rogue and the warrior class. Uh, if you want to be a mage, you're probably going to have to pick the apostate background. Uh, I guess you could be a circle mage if you want to. They've technically got one, but we'll, we'll talk you about that. You would be a very special snowflake if that was the case. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about where your character would be from. Um, Ravain has not been visited very much in Dragon Age's fiction. Um, it remains mostly a mystery, except for, you know, a spattering of codex entrance, uh, entry, entries and, uh, little tidbits scattered into, like, the description of a weapon, uh, maybe little bits that Isabella will tell you. Um, so, uh, and of course, I think there's, like, two and a half pages devoted to it, uh, in the World of Thetis book, Volume 1. So, um, it's And most not... of it is illustration. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's right, right. Um, it's you know not very heavily explored, which means that it's also great for a campaign for folks who want to start making stuff up and don't want to be constrained by stuff that already exists. So it it, it makes a great playground for GMs oh, yeah. uh, and players. Uh, let's see. It is in the northeastern uh, tip of the continent of Thetis, almost entirely surrounded by ocean and bordered by Antiva to the west. Mm-hmm. Where's my phone? I tried to put it on silent. I did. Oh, is that uh, someone else's phone? No, it's not me. Mine's also on not silent. Me. Not mine either. Hmm. It is yours, but I don't know why it's. I got it. Okay, thank you. I found it. Okay. I tried. Um, brief history of of Ravain, and from what we what we can gather, the history is quite brief. Uh, I mean, Ravain's just kind of always been there, but no one's really ta- not gotten to talk about it very much. Uh, the earliest records of Ravain that are available to most Andrastian scholars is that they took part in the Battle of the Silent Plains, which existed in the slaying of Dumont, ending, helping end the First Blight. That's, like, the first place it sh- apparently shows up in a lot of timelines. Uh, originally it was just part of the Imperium, uh, but Ravain eventually rebelled against the Imperium, uh, 120 years before the Divine Age, they would take advantage of the Imperium's weakness, with the Imperium having staggered out of the First Blight, only to suffer Andraste's rise and fall. Uh, and though, though the Eastern Free Marches offered their aid, it would be 76 years of rebellion before the Imperium decided to stop campaigning to retake the East. Uh, the Kingdom of Ravain would rise from this victory. Uh, Ravain's history is mostly unknown to outsiders until we jump ahead, like, 500 years to get to the Fourth Blight. Uh, uh, and the fourth blight, uh, the dark spawns spill across Ravain and Antiva. Uh, Garahel, the uh, see, the Grey Warden Garahel slew Andoral, ending the fourth blight at the Battle of Isley. Um, read the last flight if you haven't, and I still haven't. That's the one who had a uh, the last Griffin, right? Yep. Crooky Tail or something. Yep. Oh, I, I haven't even read. I it do want to read this story because it has Griffins. In it, it has Griffins in it. Uh, in the Steel just Age, saying, if you uh, want yeah, you know, there's an adventurer <laughs> that just appeared over there that might have griffins. <laughs> Whoa! I want to play this story if it has griffins in it. Good to know. Is it griffins? I that's, want a griffin. That's a good sell. I want a griffin and a Mabari, and I want the griffin to ride the Mabari. No, I want the Mabari to ride the griffin, <laughs> and then I will ride the Mabari, and I will somehow be small enough to ride the Mabari, and it will be the best thing ever. Oh, you'll get a griffin, all right. Tee hee. Oh dang. 
Oh, oh no. That was an evil tee hee hee. I yep. didn't like it. <laughs> oh man. Um, in the Steel Age, uh, the Ravame are the first human nation conquered by the Canary invasions. Uh, it took three exalted marches being declared by, I think, both the Black and White Divine that managed to finally uh, get everybody to, and to get Thetis to actually unite against something that wasn't a blight. It was, uh, at the end of the third exalted march, most of the nations of Thetis were drained of resources, um, but uh, and to, uh, while the Canary forces weren't affected by much, uh, they apparently retreated when they saw the devastation that was in, uh, exacted upon the uh, ravine, the places that they had taken. Yeah. Curiously enough, uh, they were the last human nation to push back the Canary 152 years later, uh, but Canary influence still remains. Yeah, you get a nice blend right there of, of all, all the big playmakers in Thetis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've left their mark yet on somehow this none of them have squashed Ravain. Mm-hmm. Ravain's still there. They still do their, and they still, through all of that, do their own things. There are just some things that they refused to give up. Uh, which is... And some of those things are pretty dang cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Andy, you want to take it away a little bit? Sure. Um, when when we talk about living in Ravain, it's not actually, it's not too difficult from other places. Ravain is significantly warmer, so you want your jungle adventure, you can have your jungle adventure right there. A uh, couple notable differences, though. Um, Ravain has a significant lack of Chantry influence. You know, They never really got in on the whole maker thing, so the Chantry doesn't quite have as much influence on the everyday, day-to-day life of most Ravaini compared to Ferelden or, or especially Orlay. Now, the royal family, though, is Andrastian nobility, but... You know, because of the kind of mercantile nature of Vervain, they don't quite hold as much power as they might in other countries. On the other hand, there mm-hmm. is a lot of Kunari influence. Despite the fact the Kunari don't occupy Ravain anymore, a lot of their culture has rubbed off. There's a sense of communal work uh, that would kind of go along with what you'd figure with the Kuhn. Um, it's likely... If, if the rest of Thetis were to fall to the Kuhn, life in Ravain probably would not change as much as compared to, to Vinter or, or Orlay or Ferelden. In terms of religion, because you don't have the Chantry, um, most Ravainis are kind of a pantheistic kind of melange of nature worship and worship of the universe. It's, it's kind of a, a more animistic kind of uh faith compared to uh the the monotheistic chantry so kind of Mm -hmm. a big difference there feels like a bit of a parallel to the avar honestly it does a little bit yeah Um, yeah i I can see the similarities there uh i see some have lots to talk about i see some of leona's favorite things so i'm gonna pass the biscuit Mm -hmm. (laughs) um okay my some of my favorite things about Ravain is that it's a very matriarchal society. Women are believed to be best suited to rule. And so Ravain has a queen. I can't tell you her name because I can't find it anywhere. But um, rather than having a king, they have a queen. And women and the um, communities and cities are overseen by elder women and their seers, which we'll get to in a minute under the magic bit. 
Um, nice change of pace just to see a, you don't yeah. see a lot of matriarchal societies in uh, fantasy. I mean, you see more these days, but it's always interesting to see somebody change it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, tattoos and body piercings are very indicative of your social standing in Ravain. So the more elaborate you have, uh, the higher status you are. So it wouldn't be, you know, unusual to go to see the the wise women, the elder women, and the seers with tattoos on their face, down their arms, you know, just jewelry dripping from everywhere, you know, multiple ear piercings, nose piercings, lips. You know, I think um, Isabella had the one right under her lip, like above her chin, you know, necklaces, rings, all of that. The more you have, the higher status you are. And the economy there is, you know, they're not so, they have a currency-based economy, but that's, they're not really into amassing wealth. It's more like, you know, the communities will band together and to make everything better. Uh, the guy down the street who makes bread will make bread for the entire village, and in exchange, the guy across town who raises the goats will give everybody meat, and this other person will give you know, we'll make all the clothing for the town. And if the next town over has had a bad year, they're going to share. Everything is for the betterment of the whole. That that sounds really nice. I'm just Doesn't saying. It, it's a Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> Pretty <I> much. <laughs> also, Pirate Hippie Commune is going to go on my list of band names. Heck yes. Uh, <laughs> I... For those of you on the like in the podcast, one of my little things is that I collect weird band names that I think would be good band names or terrible band names. What's Just, your current favorite? Um, probably Uncanny Valet. <laughs> but uh, so you can talk one. about that in an after show sometime. <laughs> we have a we have an exciting collection, but we can get back into that later. Uh, I think you still got more, Liana. Oh. A lot of cool stuff. Okay, well let's get into the magic then. Yes, please. Um, in Ravain, um, they have a very relaxed view of magic. They've had um, seers for millennia, I guess. Well, ages. Oh, yeah. We'll go for with sure. ages. It sounds like it's just it's just always always been, been right. Um, and so magic isn't that fearful for them. They commune with spirits for wisdom and guidance, and even allow possession. So very much like the augurs of the Avar, like we mentioned a minute ago. Um, they have a circle in Diarzmid, and the word circle is being used very loosely with air quotes around it. It's there to appease the Chantry. Mm -hmm. um, the mages there are trained to be seers, but they're pretty much they're free to come and go as they please. Their families can live there with them if they want. There are Templars, but the Templars let them do as they want, and in return, you know, when the Templars ask them for help, they give it. It's very, it's very loose with the rules there. However, sadness follows. In, nine, in 940, during the Mage Templar War, when all of the circles were falling, the Grand Cleric of Ravain got wind of what exactly was going on in the circle, and called for the right of annulment, which... 
they got and it succeeded and the circle fell. Every man, woman, and child in the circle in Yarsmith was put to death. Although they did put up one heck of a fight, they did not go quietly unto the fade. Good times. Hence the, I don't know if I'd call it good times, but, <laughs> you know, it, they, they were times. And hence were... the special snowflake. You know, maybe, maybe, just maybe there was one survivor. <laughs> of course, that's <laughs> your player character. Just maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, well, the player characters are there to be the snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so if you want to be that snowflake, you go do it. You go give yourself super special survivability. Like. I mean, and even before the circle fell, if anybody from Thetis went and saw the circle in Ravain, they would call all these people apostates <laughs> to begin with. Before, you know, you're sitting in a circle, but what are you doing? You're allowing possession. You're coming and going. You're not circle mages. You're all apostates. See, that's, that's weird. I feel like yeah. Priscilla and they can... would have something to say about that. But... <laughs> you were going to say? Uh, true, you know, Priscilla probably would have something to say about that. I mean, but... yeah, that sounds like a bunch of just, that's a crock of nonsense to uh, continue their oppressive tactics. I don't think. I mean, overall, you know, the Ravani Circle is probably one of the nicer ones to be in if you're a mage. Yeah, and probably more stable, what with getting to be with your family and, like, mm-hmm. the emotional stability probably ends up with fewer abominations. So, in many ways, arguably safer. So, maybe don't don't add us mages, Chantry. Don't, don't do it. No. But, yeah, so... Yeah, that's Clearly what I got that's from why Mages. It had to die. That yeah, is why it had, had to die. According to, you know, the Chantry, it had to die, and it did. <laughs> How dare you be well-adjusted in Thetis? <laughs> no yes. one's well-adjusted in Thetis. That's the whole point of Thetis. <laughs> that is not what happens. There is no room in Thetis for that kind of nonsense. <laughs> Take that hippy-dippy stuff out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really nice to me. I want to go there. I love it. Uh, continuing on for uh, Ravain, uh, seafaring is also uh, a, a rather large part of life in Ravain because the country is surrounded by water. Uh, so knowing how to navigate the water is often useful or necessary. Uh, sailing is common as a, for- as a form of transport and trading, and raiding on the sea is also quite common given the proximity to Lemarin, uh, which we'll talk about later, uh, and all these dang pirates around. Um so you likely know your way around a ship, and it seems like a couple of the uh, focuses that you get are probably going to help with that. I'm actually kind of surprised that were any of those focuses dexterity sailing. I don't mm. believe they were. I, no. I think the closest hmm. thing was. How climbing. did we get climbing and not sailing? Hmm. Huh. Interesting choice. That's a that's a touch of an oversight then. Hmm. Oh, yeah. If you're a GM and you're going to have some Ravani character take this, maybe consider letting them do that. Like, that that seems Pirating. kind of important for your level one yes. pirate to have. Pirates. Uh, we'd also highly recommend, uh, if you have access to the Fantasy Age Companion, checking out the pirate specialization. It's, it's pretty on brand. Uh... 
Let's see, we've got a couple of uh, extra little trivia bits uh, that can potentially give some nice plot hooks uh, and set up some things like the All's Met, uh, which is a special gathering that happens twice a year in... Oh, goodness. Dim that place. Darmood, probably. Darmood? Darsmood. I don't even know if that S is pronounced. I don't know if any of those letters are pronounced. I'm pretty sure D, M, and D are all pronounced. For all we know, it could just be like... Joff. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. The mighty city. We could just call it... <laughs> we could just call it the capital city. Yes, we'll call it the capital city. Uh, but but uh, twice a year, uh, the Sears and other important folks will meet up in Allsmet to settle disputes, arrange trade agreements, and publicly pledge loyalty to Remain's Queen. Uh, apparently, it is considered um, local tradition that meetings or uh, meetings and agreements that are made at All's Met are particularly auspicious. Mm. So a lot of folks come to secure trade agreements uh, with with big trading partners. Do they get married? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure so. there's lots. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Particularly auspicious marriages. <laughs> that sounds cute. Uh, and of course, it has a festival atmosphere because the Ravani know how to party. There's contests, there's drinking, there's gift-giving ceremonies. Uh, See, that's a great time to get get hitched. It's a great time to get hitched. Think about the honeymoon that comes right after it. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, uh, One of the other unique cities uh, in Ravane is Kant-Ar, which is located on the northern Ravane coast. It is the only peaceful Kunari settlement on the Thetis mainland. Mm. Uh, Kunari actually live there uh, and we mean like actual see, kun like, following like, like kunari actual, like yeah like like well like kasseth like let's see like the tall people yeah. with the horns are they they're they're kun followers though right yes yeah, yeah they're not they're not uh kantar kantar is definitely not talvashoth they are they are they are kun um and in fact, actually the in fact uh kun, that that influence of the kun spreads uh across uh, ravine gets a little gets thinner the farther away you get from kantar but it is noticeably present. Villages are run uh, with exacting details. Uh, buildings are built in specific shapes. Uh, and everybody works together very efficiently. Um, it's very cute. Very cute. Uh, and of course, Kantar is supposedly very well fortified, but of course it is. Uh, and you know, mixing of the mines, and I'm sure they're... Because uh, it's a peaceful settlement of Kunari... How much do you want to bet there's lots of Chantry missionaries out there? Because we saw how well that worked in Kirkwall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Ooh. Mother Patrice. Yikes. Go home. I was really happy when she got an arrow in the forehead. There are are only two (laughs) Dragon Age characters I want to punch more than her. Oh no! Well, now no, I'm curious. No, now I need to know. Solus then Anders in that order. Oh. Bless you, bless you for having Solus in your top three. <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty sure Patrice is my number one punch in the face character. I uh, Anders definitely deserves a punch. I can yeah. do with a nice big punchy to the egg face, like mm. crack that mm-hmm. egg. I think my number two is, my number two is actually Isold. Isold, Isold. yeah, I could see that. She was just dumb. Connor's mom. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She made some curious choices, but 
I think my top has to be Arl Howe. Like, oh, oh yeah. That's number four. And how. Yeah, yeah and you're how. right. Or maybe, uh, you know, isn't it... Whose son is it that gets put in the brig for being, you know, terrible? Oh, that and guy. The elven. The, the elven uh, let's see, the guy from the elven Pretty origin. much any human oh! involved in the, in the elven yeah, origin. That, that, the elf origin that piece of hot watching. garbage. Yeah. yeah oh, anyway. Did you kill, like, dog Shiani? That was the best line. Ooh. When, you ask, when Shiani asks if you killed them all, you can say, like, dogs. Good. Mm. Yes, good. <laughs> that is the correct that, answer. At some point, we really should actually do a, an after show so mm-hmm. that we can you know, talk about things. <laughs> okay, right. let's continue. Can, I don't know talk. if I have time because I have to be at work at gotcha. early o'clock. Uh, I don't have, and see, I don't have to be up super early in the morning. Um, if you folks don't have to be up early, we could probably have like a Not particularly. A, a I could chat. We should oh, probably finish out Ravain, though. Let's finish let's out this first. Ravain, and let's do that show first. first. <laughs> um, let's also talk about Lamarin, uh, which is we mentioned it. Uh, I think I mentioned it once or twice already. Uh, Lamarin is. I don't think it's t- completely part of Ravain. It's kind of its own thing, but it is close enough to Ravain that it's worth mentioning because I'm sure Ravain and Lamarin have plenty of contact and trade. But Lamarin uh, is a port city on a large island that is south of Ravain. It has a colorful character to it, uh, and most of that character is pirates. Um, it considers itself politically neutral. It's not really on anyone's side. Uh, um, since this, uh, it was the site of the uh, signing of the Lamarin Accords in 784 Storm, which was the treaty that ended the, the wars with the Kunari. Oh, good. Which Tevinter, of course, neglected to sign. So there's still because, war. Because Tevinter. <laughs> yeah, because of course, of course they did. Classic Tevinter. <laughs> um, today, Lamarin is home to the Felicima Armada, which was actually one of the things that was instrumental in pushing the Canari back, because the Canari had command of the sea. Um, so they asked a bunch of waking sea pirates, "Hey, you guys want to help us? We'll give you, we'll give you a little bit of political power, I guess." So the Felicima Armada came about. So there is, uh, it's kind of a loose coalition of pirate vessels that work together. We'll probably talk about it more when we get to the Waking Sea Raiders background. Um, but I'm certain that folks from Ravain know all about the Felicia Marmada and probably have to deal with it quite often. Uh, because the, it's a bunch of pirates. They're going to come take your stuff and you're a merchant. So you you don't want any of that. Um, uh, merchants, however, can, uh, bring an awful lot of stuff to Lamarin, and you can probably find a lot of things, uh, just about anything for a price. Uh, most of it's stolen, of course. Because, I mean, what are we talking about? Um, it's a great place for piracy campaigns, and we'll probably talk about it later. Um, and there's a semi-permanent uh, settlement of Dalish in the city of Lamarin. Hmm. Yay! Awesome. I love it. Works Get your for... Dalish PCs in there. Works for me. Yeah. What's that? Dalish having a place to live? Like, yeah. Semi-permanent. <laughs> hey, it's got the word permanent in it. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> All right, um, and to close out, uh, we uh, prepared a couple of plot hooks to get uh, folks with the background, like uh, either PCs or NPCs uh, of, of, of the Ravani merchant background involved in your campaigns, and to give you some campaign seeds or some quick adventure ideas. Um, first one, uh, the heroes hear about a nearby Ravani town with a seer who has been under the influence of a spirit for much longer than is usually safe. 
Any PCs with magical knowledge may be scouted, or the heroes may be simply uh, the nearest adventurers the villagers could find. The heroes must find out what the spirit possessing the seer wants, or try to dismiss it from her on their own. Ooh, and this could get really difficult if you, in, you know, if there, you know, there's not much Chantry influence, but if there are some, you know, Chantry jerks or some Templars sniffing around, mm-hmm. having to figure out how to solve what that spirit wants while keeping this person a secret from the Templars. Ooh. There's a quick solution. Get Arrows. Rough. That's a bad solution. You're fired. <laughs> Marksman, remember? Arrows. <laughs> Unless you're shooting the Templars, but then maybe don't do that either, because boy, is that going to lead to some problems. Yeah, it usually gets complicated very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dear, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Hmm. Talvishoth have become bold and have been making raids closer and closer to Kantar. It is unknown what they intend to do should they reach the city, but what is known is that the Talvishoth seem well organized under a new leader. What the heroes may not notice as quickly, however, is that a cunning Antivan merchant has been trading weapons and magic potions to the Talvishoth trying to create an incident that will force the Guardians of Kantar to buy arms and alchemy from them as well. The Merchant Prince plays a dangerous game, but seems to think the profit is well worth the trouble. Hmm. You know. It's just business. It's just good business. It's just good business. This is a very dangerous thing that you are doing. (laughs) This is a dangerous game they play. I cannot see a way that this ends well, or in, like, a long retirement. No, this does not end well. It can't. It can't no, end well. For anyone in involved. Yeah. You know how it can end well? Ignore it completely. Oh. <laughs> That's how things okay. end well for you. Do you accept this quest? No. 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 <laughs> Just walk away and look for the next person with a question mark over their head. <laughs> Good luck with that. See you later. Bye. Yeah, this Sorry, seems uh, unwinnable. Goodbye. This quest is, I think, a raid. I'm going to need to get a party together. It's just, no, I'm moving on. Uh, Leona, would you like to read the next one? Sure. A Ravani ex-pirate finds the PCs and begs them to make a trip to Lomarin to steal back something of theirs. The ex-pirate has gone straight since... Li- leaving the Felicima Armada, and they have recently recalled something that they helped smuggle a long time ago. They seek a scroll that contains details about the royal family, one that could implicate the royals and decrease their power even more. The ex-pirate wishes to improve the power of the royal family, but the PCs may not feel the same. Once they perform a daring infiltration into a trapped pirate ship and obtain the scroll, they have the choice of returning the scroll to the royal family and gaining their favor, or using it to discredit them and reduce their power and making friends of the seers. I do adore political campaigns. Oh, yeah. I oh, really yeah. do. Because they can go so many different ways. I mean, you could, you know... Take the third option and just burn the damn scroll. I mean... Yeah. Sell it to the highest bidder you are in Ravain. <laughs> you can. I mean, go to Lomarin. They've got all the pirates. Somebody will there will want to buy it. I mean, oh, yeah. I love the political campaign. They're so Heck fun. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Andy, would you like to read the next sure. one? Sure. So, a nearby village has been attacked by Talvashoth raiders, and the town that the PCs are in is preparing to send some relief. Now, the the heroes might be simply passing through and petition for help, but they might be locals uh, who would join the cause to assist their neighbors. The raiders might still be at large, so they'll have to fend them off and defend the supplies in transit. However, 
one of those Talvashoth just happened to be an engineer from Parvolin, and they have access not just to deadly traps, but also a version of Gatlock. Uh, the Canari Black Powder. These explosive traps could easily make short work of the supplies, not to mention injured villagers or unwary PCs. Oh, boy. That's the part where you get to write a really fun hazard. Explosions. Mm. Explosions. Everybody loves Black some Powder. How many D6s do you think that would be? All of them. Well, you used it on a... Black, so. All of them? All, All of the D6s. Do we get... Do we get a test to resist? I recall having to make a very delicate test to deactivate a Gatlock device. We did do that, that's right. And I think I barely made it on the dice, and hence did, did not blow myself up. <laughs> or anybody else. Always a Yeah, or my, I think my, my love interest was directly also in the line of fire, so I was kind of sweating that one a little bit. That's fair. Mage trying to... Yeah, to disable the trap. That's always fun. And you know you're in a great place when you've got the mage having to disable a trap. That's pretty. You do that. I'll wait over here. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll be over there in a little bit, and a little piece of me will be over in the other direction. A little piece <laughs> may be in the other direction. So, uh, the last one we'll leave you with uh, is not long after the Lamaran records were signed, Chantry missionaries tried to bring the people of Ravain into the Maker's light. The Lamarin Accord did claim that the Kunari would leave Thetis' shores for Parvalin, but the people who follow the Kuan are, by definition, Kunari. Hence, those who did not convert from the Kuan to the Maker were in violation of the Accord, and countless innocents leaving their lives as they saw best were put to the sword and buried in mass graves. While this happened back in the Storm Age, such bloodshed has not been easily forgotten. These graves are places where the veil is thin, and people who have contact with spirits often may be in danger near these sites. Enter Sato, a woman with a grudge with the, against the Chantry and the ability to hear spirits speak in her dreams. She is drawn to one of these mass graves by whispering demons, and her lust for vengeance impresses even the demons. They offer her power and undead minions for her revenge, and the Grand Cleric of Ravain is planning a Chantry parade in the coming days. What heroes would attend this doomed parade and defend the Grand Cleric from a powerful mage filled with so many demons? Wait, that Grand Cleric? Well, I would not enjoy any moment. Hmm. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean, if something slips through, there's not so much I can do about that. Oh, wait, uh, to be clear, are we supposed to be on the Grand Cleric side? Or are we <laughs> yeah, that's supposed what, that's to be on the right Mage's right side? Right. That, was, uh, that was one of the things I was kind of hoping to bring up about that one. I was particularly proud of that one. See, this that's is why one. Anders is the number two punch in the face on the list. <laughs> is that, you know, yeah, the Grand Cleric dies, but so do a lot of innocent people. Yeah. Yep. It's true. All right. Well, I think our uh, I think the bits we can talk about on this topic are all sold out. I was just gonna do that one. Why Got did it. you take it Got from it. me? <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't tell me you don't have like three more in the chamber. I you mean, work you work on these. I mean, hey, when it comes to puns, I've been kind of busy. It's a bear market these days. Oh. I'm pretty sure you two could trade off. <laughs> we could. We could spend a lot of time. With these, uh, with these puns. Uh. This is a bad deal. Uh, I want to renegotiate. I don't know. I find uh, I find trying to think of puns on the spot a bit taxing. So uh, maybe we should just cut it here. Uh, let's just. Uh... 
<laughs> Let's just cut our losses and get out of yeah, here. Yeah, prices are getting a little high. <laughs> All right. Um, if you store uh, jokes, actually, this is actually surprising on brands. Yeah, speaking of, if you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. Uh, if you support us with only three dollars a month, you can get your vo- get a vote on our Patreon only poll, well, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. Uh, and as we have found out recently on this episode, also is tiebreaker tie tiebreaker votes. Yeah. Uh, if you support us with five dollars per month, you get to hear this episode a week early on Patreon. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Pretty good um, deal. There should be some other stuff coming in the yes. relatively near future, mm-hmm. but. Life has been getting in the way of that just a wee bit. Yeah. Want to make sure that we got lots of time to devote to it, but we'd have, uh, I'd yes. eventually like to start offering some reward tiers where I run games for folks. Yeah. Mm. Those would be higher reward tiers because... Because mm. that's that's a lot of time. That's a lot of planning. Uh, and we require food to... We require food to survive. Stuff like that. You know, little things like that. Yeah. Um, anything you can contribute is appreciated. Uh, you can find a link to our, our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you so much. We uh, love you much so much. I'm looking at you, Leona. Our oh. our beloved patrons. Oh, did we lose her? Well, I guess of all times to do so, the this one's not a bad one, but oh, there. Oh, hello. Hey. Hey. Leona, can you hear us? No, I can't. I can now. Yep. Okay, yeah. good. You were, you were gone for a second yep. there. We were talking you up for, for uh, being such a such a great patron. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm happy to help. It helps us out. It really does. Now, Andy, are, I don't know if you are on patron status, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we love you anyway. <laughs> it's a pretty You, you, you give enough anyway. no matter what. Uh, I. It may not be in this paycheck, but it'll likely be in next. <laughs> It we're not going to squeeze the money out of you. You're already kind of, you know, helping us host, so that's good too. <laughs> I you write so many fun. things for dissonant verses. Good, glad to hear it. Um, now, um, if you uh, folks out there would like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our social media. Feel free to leave a comment or a question, or even tell us how your Dragon Age games are going. I always love hearing how folks' Dragon Age games are going. Oh yes. Um, Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently looking into trying to get the podcast on Spotify, because some folks were asking. Oh, um, yeah, we better get that going. Yeah, and increase our audience a little bit and gets more get more Dragon Age out there. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks everyone for listening to the One is a Thetis podcast. This is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica, wishing you good heels and happy fields. This uh, is Andy, keeping the Andy? dread wolf off your trail. And this is Leona. May the creators guide you on your way. Thank you All so much right. for listening to the One is a Thetis podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thank oh, do you we so think much. there's going to be an after show? Oh, yeah. That's probably, probably a good point. Uh, if you want to stick around for the post show, feel free. Uh, I can hang out. Let... I'm good. Yeah. We got Gen Con to I talk I can hang about. out for a little bit, and then I got to go home. <gasps> okay. Gotta go I home. wouldn't we'll hear all about it. <laughs> talk about which? Wait, what are we talking about? Gen Con. Gen Con. Yes! I'm all about it. Okay, well, if you don't want to hear about Gen Con or people we want to punch in the games or fan fiction, maybe go home now. (laughs) Uh, If you're stuck, you're still here after the jump. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, But for everyone else, thank you for listening anyway. Cheers. See you next time. Bye!
What is that? <laughs> Isabella just thought she'd celebrate your love affair with a written dedication. It's friend fiction. I do it out of love. I will never, ever be clean again. All right. Post show. Post show. Post show. We don't get to do post shows often, so this is exciting. Post show. <laughs> so, uh, I guess first order of business. Uh, how now, Leona? You did not get to go, unfortunately. I did not. Um, oh, wait, we first have to do the thing. The show is over. Oh, yeah. You don't have to listen anymore if you don't want to. I guess <laughs> yeah. you really, you could stop it any time you wanted to. Yeah, really. This is just going to be silly. We're going to be talking about cool stuff. You can hang around. We'd love to have you. Mm -hmm. We just said that a few minutes ago, but I want to say it again because we have it in our notes for post-show. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate I like, that. I like consistency. Yes, I appreciate the consistency and the professional, uh, the professional pride. <laughs> yes. Just because I'm pink-haired doesn't mean I don't have... So, Gen Con was fun. It was. So you have good. a good time, Andy? Gen Con was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it was also that. It was oh, also yeah. that. I, had, I felt that, too. Uh, I did 16 hours of games this year. <laughs> That's not including the uh, Pathfinder specials that you played. That I played. I, I played those games, uh, but I ran, personally, 16 hours of games. I ran zero hours of games, but pretty much, like... Uh, you didn't stop moving that whole time. I did not stop moving. That is... My new job at Gen Con is just eating lunch with people, I guess. <laughs> or walking around with people. There's, it is all about connecting. That, like, yeah, it is all social life. I do so much networking at oh, Gen yeah. Con. And by networking, I mean literally hang out with people that I like. But it sounds more professional if you say networking. Mm -hmm. Yes. So... <laughs> Like, non-stop networking. It was awesome, but it was very, very tiring. I I ran 28 hours of events. Ooh, oh, gentle uh, Jesus I in the garden. I ran four sessions of, four <laughs> sessions of Cold Steel Wardens, three of DA. And on top of that, had a meeting with uh, Paul McGraw from Gamma and had a meeting with a publisher about one of my board game designs. Gotcha. So nice. I was busy. You did you there play for anything? I did actually. I got to play. Um, I got to play one. Uh, I got to play a Dragon Age game. Believe it or not. Yay! Oh, nice. and the, the GM actually cosplayed as uh, Leliana within the full. <gasps> nice. Full, like, nice. I love Lely. Um, nice. And she she looked spot on. It, it was great. Um, it was. A really fun game as well. I can I can get into that yeah. a little bit uh, if you like. The um, sure. I also got to play the Sentinel Comics role playing game and the Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion set, which my Ooh. my DM just got that like just unpacked it and we saw the hit points mm -hmm. and we just kind of all paled and we're like, how yeah. <laughs> in the ever loving maker whatever how do you beat this guy did you beat him um we did actually uh, how okay give so, me tips because we're playing so the um <laughs> uh sentinels of the multiverse is hands down my favorite board game right now like i'm sitting here i at, love at, it at my game table i'm looking at the giant collector's box which is nice it uh it they weighed it it because if you have everything for all uh all the expansions for the games it's 37 pounds 
37 Whoa. pounds. Yes. Um, Goodness gracious. The, but we sat down and that there are three phases to to fighting Oblivion, you know, the final world-destroying boss. And the first the first side obviously has 10,000 hit points, which is Yeah, absurd. we saw that and we're just Whoa. but it was ridiculous. You have in comparison Whoa, what? Yeah. In comparison, your character has like 30 hit points. Yeah. Maybe 40 if you've got one of the bigger ones. <laughs> Here's the thing. Oh, no. they, they did that yeah. entirely. It's an intimidation tactic because you it works. You can't <laughs> you can't beat him, and that's the point. Uh, they're trying to get across the idea. You just you cannot whittle his hit points down on that first side. It's a it's a three phase fight where okay, well your first job is not to attack is not to deal damage to him, but it's to crack his shields and to start going on these side missions that all fill in the lore. So you'll recruit, you know, heroes from other alternate realities, or you'll, Ooh. it's like, oh, well, I'm going to discard this many equipment cards as I'm working in the lab, and now I get to build this awesome, you know, cannon, right? Nice. Okay. So, and once you either, <clears throat> once you either complete, uh, break down that shield or complete some other objective, he or alternatively and this is how you lose the game um if he destroys an environment um you flip to the next page and he has 180 hit points and now you can start actually damaging him ah and there's a third phase as well where it's like okay well if he just i believe it's if he destroys a second environment or something else uh he'll flip to that final phase and in that final phase it's Get him now because if you don't, if you don't, it's the end of the world. Well, but it's a neat way of going about the game because normally in in Sentinels, if you you lose the game when all of the heroes are incapacitated, when everyone hits zero hit points. Here, that doesn't happen. You, if you die, you literally just reach in the box and pull out a new hero and start again. just in the middle of the game and they said during playtest there was one game that they won where it was 27 heroes they went through (laughs) they won though oh my goodness wow well that's the important part but you know the the idea is that this is this world ending event so the last day of gen con i got to play this and it took us about two and a half hours like it's a it's a it's a evening game you know it's it's gonna take up some time uh we did have a guy rage quit though partway through whoa no i hate when that happens it's it kills the mood well so we had our choice of all these heroes and he of course he wanted to see some of the new stuff which is all well and good except for the fact that the scenario is really hard and he's looking at this these, this character for the first time. He doesn't know, you know, the basic mechanics. And it's, he's played the game before, but he doesn't he hasn't played that hero, so he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's upset because, well, I'm not doing anything. Gotcha. Okay, well, so he dies, and he brings in another character from the new set, which he doesn't know, how know to what play. he's doing with, uh. and dies. And at that point, that's when he rage quit. But mm. the guy who was GMing for that game took over his spot, and we finished out the game and won. Oh, good. Gotcha. Cool. So, but yeah, Gen Con was, Gen Con was exhausting. Fair enough. It it was great though. 
At least in my experience, it was uh, super cool. No. <sighs> Maybe next year. I'll oh, go. you should. I, I still like Origins better. Fair enough. It's so much less crowded. There's so many better places to eat. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to try it one of these years. There are some great restaurants in Indianapolis if you are rich. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fogo de Chao is amazing, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know how you're this? supposed to, you know. Yeah, how do you do that every night? Well, yeah, let me just get my paycheck even... and hand it over, like. Yeah. <laughs> or what's the steakhouse there? St. There's, Elmo's? There's a Weber Grill, but the yeah, St. Elmo's, yep. yeah. Where it's it's easily 35 bucks for a, for a sirloin. Oh, yeah. No, if you want the great food, you gotta come an hour south. That's what I'm talking about. Bloomington? Oh? It's where it's at. Just saying. Mm. Hometown pride. <laughs> but, uh, I guess technically Street. Indianapolis is my hometown. But Indianapolis is not as cool as Bloomington, so Bloomington is my hometown now. What's up? What we got See. on 4th Street? We've got... We've got everything on 4th Street. We've got Turkish food. We've got... Yeah, the, uh, the Turkish place is the best place. Turquoise is the best place. Turquoise is fantastic. You can get, uh, like, amazing, really authentic food from lots of different countries for super cheap compared to everywhere else because it's a college town. Yeah. Mm. That's, uh... Maybe. Dayton's not bad for food. Uh, we have, um... My favorite Indian place just opened another location that's about ten minutes from our house, which is, which is fantastic. I, mm. I love Indian food. Oh, so. yes. So that's oh, uh, yeah. right up my alley. But in terms of conventions, though... Origin says North Market, and North Market is just glorious. I mean, if it's a type of food that exists, they have it there. Ooh. And oh, where is Origins? Columbus. Okay. Yeah, I think Gen Con. Will... Yeah, I'm in upstate New York, and we're like, got ways. There's nothing around here unless you want to go to New York City, and I really, <laughs> if I can avoid New York City, I try to. Um. <laughs> I mean, food-wise, I, I live in a college town, yeah. um, and if you want food, you can get it, mm-hmm. anything you want, but for, like, conventions and stuff, you gotta go to New York, and it's just so it's many a people. Lot. Oh, yeah. It's so much. It's it's a lot. I mean, if you don't go down there with a plan, yeah. forget it. And that's that's my issue with Gen Con, is the fact that you know, they, they, they've stopped announcing the actual attendance numbers. <laughs> um, the last time they announced them was two years ago, where they capped it at seventy thousand. Yeah, see, that's a big turnoff for me. Now, here's the thing: that was two years ago, and they announced an eighteen percent increase from last year. Yeah, which itself was an increase. So you're looking at eighty thousand people moving into Indianapolis for a weekend. Yeah. It's a lot. Normally, I can't deal with crowds super well, but this seems to be my big exception. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe part of it's because, you know, Indianapolis is where I grew up, and so I'm very familiar with the city, and I'm also, like, I feel like I'm surrounded by other humans that share my sort of interests and my sort of way of dealing with the world, and (laughs) I feel, I don't know, I feel more comfortable with that crowd. I do end up literally exhausted by the end i slept for 13 hours when i got home from gen con (laughs) but uh i I think it's still my favorite taking off immediately after any big convention that day afterwards just because i need to Mm -hmm. i I need to wind down that saturday i blew out my voice so my third session of cold steel wardens i ran i ran three on saturday 
and I was I was croaking by the end. Uh, luckily, the the players were very resourceful and went through the scenario really quickly. So uh, we got out about an hour early. Nice. So I managed wow, to nice. slip out and head back to our hotel room. Yeah, man, we're not gonna have any chance to rest ne- next year because we're going. Uh, we're doing Gen Con, and then immediately I think from Gen Con, we're not even going back to Bloomington. We're getting on a plane and going to Hawaii. Yep. So. Oh wow! Nice. Brilliant. It'll be it'll be exciting, but it's gonna be a lot. Yeah, I I think I am gonna skip Gen Con next year, uh, if for no other reason than I want to go to Protospiel again. It's a you know there's a, it's a very small convention in in I go to the Protospiel in Michigan. There are a couple of them around the country that's specifically designer focused. Mm, okay. Like. like mm. You go and you bring a prototype design and you meet with other designers and nice. they play your stuff and you play their stuff. And occasionally publishers will stop by to take a look at different things that are in prototype. Okay. Um, I got a lot of good feedback when I took Dwarven Defenders up there and I'm hoping to do the same with Masters of the Apocalypse. Cool. Very cool. Though you should still come oh. to Gen Con because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> because we'll set up a lunch though, like for reals. We could set up a... Uh... <laughs> A lunch for as many uh, podcast friends as we can find. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be fun. That that might be worth a drive out for a for a day pass <laughs> or such. Lunch of Thetas. Woo! Lunch of Thetas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be brilliant. That would be a good time. I would I would be willing to help set that up. Right. I might have to fly out just yes, for that. Yes, yes. Come to lunch. Jump right into the wires. I don't know where we'll eat. Not Fogo de Chao because still poor. But steak and shake. Go to steak and shake. You can fly out here to go to bleeping steak and shake. <laughs> I don't know if you saw what happened with the noodles and company. Yeah, they caught fire. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about mess. that a few days before the con. I was like, oh, that sucks. You poor folks. For those for those who haven't been, there is a there is a noodles and company just outside the Indianapolis Convention Center that is well and truly frequented by Gen Con attendees. Yeah. And I passed by there, and it was a mess. A hot mess, if you will. Yeah, very literally. Um, <laughs> oh, I like it. But, yeah, yeah, the fire. Yeah. The fire. I mean, not, I don't like the fire, I like the pun, but, you know. But it was, uh, I was just astounded. I remember a couple Gen Cons ago, uh, myself and my buddy Joseph were, uh, were uh, we went there to eat, and it was very obvious that the staff just had no idea what Gen Con oh, was man. or what they were in for. Oh, no. And they're just like, pan- <laughs> there's a line like out the door for Noodles and Company, of all places. And so we go through the line, and we put in our orders, and we get in line for, they have one of those, you know, Coke My Way machines mm. there where it's like, oh, well, I want cherry, right. vanilla, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. And it broke. Oh, no! And there's just this increasingly long line of gamers, all of whom are in desperate need of caffeine oh, and getting no. irritable because they haven't eaten yet. <laughs> oh, no. And this poor assistant manager who is desperately trying to reboot the UI on the on the Coke. Oh, Poor thing. And he it's just like I can I can see the tears welling up in the corners of his eyes oh, knowing what's gonna happen. 
but it's gonna be rough. he he managed to fix it. We'll he, he got it under control. Oh. But yeah, there was a moment there where I'm pretty sure he was contemplating the end of his life. That's you know, <laughs> at that moment, I don't know many people who wouldn't be. That's that's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was just painfully obvious that they didn't staff correctly for Gen Con. Like there there was one register open. Oh god, why? <laughs> oh wow. It, it was it was bad. It was You got to be prepped for that like yeah. when you when you're running something and you're expecting Gen Con to arrive, like any aspect of Gen Con is coming, all hands on deck. Like and increase your and, staff, please. And most of the businesses are well aware of oh, that. Yeah. There there have been a couple of hotels that have flat out said, "We make more money this weekend." than we do from the Colts' entire season. Yep, it's true. Because it's that much, it's that focused, it's that, you know, that much commerce going on and that many, that much population density. Mm-hmm. But And most of the restaurants, yeah, are really, really good about that. You know, I, you're wearing your Scotty's Brew, brew, brew House yeah. shirt. Yeah, is that the Ghost Goblin Ale? I mean, they, they go all out. This is the Cthulhu Brew. This is last year or yeah, two years the, ago? Two years ago, I think. The origin side of that is barley, so of course, right across from the convention nice. center. It's them, and they 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 redo their whole menu nice. that's D and D themed. They do free pint glasses. Um, I mean, a lot of the restaurants are well aware of that, but yeah, it just it was laughably painful the fact that this poor noodles and company was just oh. overwhelmed by the tide of people. Poor poor people. That's just sad. <laughs> That's rough. But... Rough stuff. Uh, Leona, do you get to go to conventions much? Um, I've been to one. I've been to Gary Con in mm. Wisconsin, and I've already got my tickets, my plane tickets, and everything else to go again in March Ooh. this coming year. Um, I do like it. They um, they have like two thousand people that attend. Mm-hmm. It's all held in one resort. Um, I got my ticket, my, I got my hotel room in the resort, so I don't have to go anywhere. I come in from the airport, I plant my butt on Wednesday, and I stay nice. there until Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only, it's very, obviously, because it's Gary Con, it's very D&D focused. Mm-hmm. You can play any edition of D&D that you have your heart set on. Um, they'll, so they have a lot of Pathfinder and that Starfinder. With the Path. With the Pathfinder 2.0 coming out soon, yep. very soon, running the right? Tests if it's not out already, right now. I mean, that's probably going to be huge probably. as well. Have the, uh, um, have the forums burned down yet? <laughs> Actually, uh, I mean, I feel like people are probably vitriol-wise. I wouldn't know. I'm staying away. I think I'm just mm-hmm. gonna. Good like, for you. Eventually, I'll put any recommendations I have in the proper channels, mm-hmm. but in. I just, I really don't want to deal with that. And so I might just tell Linda, here's some stuff that I noticed. Can you, can you just take this information <laughs> off my hands? I don't That's want to go That's probably the wisest room. course of action. That's... The only thing I didn't like about Gary Con was that they had one Dragon Age game. Mm. Uh, well, I mean... It, and uh, I did yeah. get in it. Um, it was one of the ones in the book, the one, I can't remember the name of it, but the one where you have to, um, get all of the different, like, uh, Battle's Edge? All the different people, that's it, that's the, the one, one Battle's Edge. you have Edge. to get all the, uh, the local, get, um, you have to, 
all the local yeah. bands yeah, and whatever to fight. Yeah, that's the only one we had to do. And we managed to get all of them nice. on our side really quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's okay. the one we did. And so I'm hoping next year maybe somebody else is going to be running a different mm-hmm. one. Well, the... Uh... The lack of event variety is, I mean, that's that's an issue with pretty much every that's, convention. I mean, at Gen um, Con, we, there were only, what, seven DA events? I think so. And I think we comprised four. We did, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, go ahead. Playing D&D, playing D&D is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that at all. I'm kind of new to it, so it's nice to learn more. Especially if you get people that are, you know, DMs and GMs and players who know that you're just kind of new to it and they're a little mm-hmm. forgiving like what how many spell slots do i have and mm-hmm. how many can i use and that kind of thing yeah. um so that's nice we i did have one really amazing game at uh gary con the very first game we played it was a D. it was called of drow origin and it was what this the guy who was running it he created it. He brought his own homemade tea. Whoa. I mean, it was great. For 8 o'clock on Thursday morning, it was nice. great. That's, uh, and, that's dedication right there. Uh, yeah, like, his, like that's his company, his business. He, they, Him and his wife make that's cool. tea. Wow. It was wonderful. And the, the um, scenario was, I won't say what it is in case somebody else mm-hmm. wants to play it at some point. It was phenomenal. It was really great. And the, I will say the best part of it was um, choosing your character. He had pre-gens. And instead of just picking, oh, I, I want to be the bard, I want to be the sorcerer, or whatever, what you did was he had, a, like, how do you, he had three questions. How do you want to play your game? Are you more stealth? Are you more, you know, in your face? Are you more, you know... Let's talk about this. And it was three different questions, and based on how you answered the questions was the character right. you got. That's really cool. Interesting. It was kind of a cool way to do it, and I ended up with the bard. And it my was friend, cool. uh, my friend Ian, uh, had did something similar, I think, for a game that he ran at our uh, dorm reunion, where it was like he just uh, had some descriptions of people, and whichever one, like mm-hmm. whichever person, sounded interesting was the person you got, but you didn't know what class they were or what alignment they were, you didn't, any of that. Mm-hmm. And it was always right. interesting to find out. I ended up getting the, uh, ended up getting the Asimar Bard, which surprised literally nobody. But... <laughs> I also, I also played Ooh. an Asimar Bard in a different, in a different campaign. That was fun. I enjoyed I that. I played it was based sorcerer to... investigator. I was down. That's, that's a hell of a class combination <laughs> there. Not your traditional uh, barbarian yeah. fare, but yeah, which is my usual game. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're headed back to uh, to GaryCon, keep your eyes peeled for. Yeah. Um, actually, this guy uh, gave me my first kind of break into into game design and and the industry. Uh, a game called Wegs, the wickedly errant gaming system. Mm. Uh, it's it's from Gamewick Games. Okay. It's basically if you took first edition like old school red box D and D and played mm-hmm. it on an active poker table. <laughs> huh. I'm down. Okay. Uh, there is I'm there. there are um, there are literal bets that you make Ooh. in the game with what are called spoints, which are spell points, and 
Uh, in order to maintain spells, you have to spanty up. Span. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Please continue. Uh, <laughs> I like it already. I think yeah, I have to play um, this. The, uh, the, the adventure that he usually brings to conventions is called Dingbit's Dunjo Doom. And Dingbit's is a poker-based dungeon where you as players are collecting... In order to get out of the dungeon, you have to have a poker hand of a certain level. Huh. So, well, I'm out. I suck at poker. Well, it's <laughs> it's 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 not hard. There's no bluff. It's just like let me collect good cards, basically. Yeah, see, I could I could try yeah. that. And you know, I and could. Uh, that sounds like fun. The way the game runs, it very much encourages a give and take between the GM and players. Like, oh yeah, you can do that thing. Just throw me two points. All right. And you know, meanwhile, hang on, hang on, it, my kid is coming yep. home hang on sure. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I actually should probably head out because I have to be yeah. at work early and for nine hours so mm. nine and a half hours if uh, if ratio is slow to go down that is a that is a, and a lot day. of time to spend with zero to five year olds mm-hmm. I think I get a lunch break okay she's doing good all right, but, but uh, uh, I will I will talk to you guys later. Tell Leona I said goodbye. I just realized how oh, late here. it was. Oh, you're back. Oh, okay. I'm back. Yeah, I gotta head out, but it back. is always lovely to talk. I just to had you to guys. tell her to be quiet. <laughs> and I will. Uh, you guys keep talking. Enjoy your stuff. I think I might go like get something warm to drink and then go to sleep. Sounds fair. All right. Um, Have a good night, everybody. Good night, podcast take land. Take it easy. Good night. Cheers. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. Uh oh. There we go. <laughs> Making it work. But, but yeah, if you if you get the chance, see if you can slide into a Wegs game. Wegs game. They're, I will definitely do that. They're, um, they're always a bl- they're always very tongue in cheek. So it. It, like, that's my favorite in, kind. Don't go in expecting a very serious game. It's just it's meant to be no. lighthearted, slinging dice. Okay. Um, it'll be my it'll be like my Friday night game group. Good times. Uh, yeah. But they, I got my, I got my first editing chops working for, working for Larry, uh, editing his core book and some of his uh, supplemental materials. All right. Cool. So. All right, I will definitely look at that one. Yeah, sure. Because I'm always on the, I'm always on the lookout for good games to play. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I have a long running series of uh, Nordlings that I run in his game. All the character uh, doesn't matter what I'm running, like what character class or arc, as they call it. But uh, the character's always named Nordling. All right. He just never manages <laughs> to kill me ever. Good times. So it's become something of a of a running thorn in his side. Good. That's the best kind. Mm-hmm. You gotta have consistency at your tables. So- mm-hmm. Um. So Ren, the other thing. So Ren, did you play anything uh, good at Gen Con? Then? I got to play in. Uh, I think I got to play. Uh, I got to try out the Universal Fighting System card game with one of my friends. Um, that was mm-hmm. fun. I liked it. Uh, we didn't get to finish a game because we had to go into one of the big Pathfinder specials. Uh, we mm-hmm. did uh, the Haujin Cataclysm, uh, which was exciting, and we had a good time. We had this delightful, like, I th- this kid couldn't have been more than, like, eight years old sitting at our table with us. 
uh, and he was enthusiastic, uh, and he was sh- swapping his own game gaming war stories with us, uh, and he was throwing <laughs> plans around at us, and we were all having a great time. And, uh, that went well. That was fun. Um, and <laughs> uh, we had some uh, choice words for how the story went uh, to one of the developers who we... Uh, you caught on the uh let's see caught let's see in a good way in a good way we we very much enjoyed it and we were like he's going on sabbatical again we just got him out of a magic item why is he going in another one come on it was (laughs) it was (laughs) it was was a good time we had a lot of fun and then uh goodness we played another special uh oh it was um version c of the uh of one of the specials that they've been doing. They had, like, a version A at last Gen Con. Um, and then, uh, I think, like, on a six-month rotation, they introduce a new part of the special and recycle out an older oh, part. Okay. So we get more and more of the story as we keep coming back to it. Uh, it's an experimental thing, and I, I think it's fun. It does mean that a couple of these sections now I have played three times. Uh, oh. But you get some new stuff as you go on, and we got to fight, like, a house-sized spider... And that was that was that was that was terrifying. What size it was a spider? Goliath. I think it was called a Goliath spider or something. Oh. And it was like like like, yeah, like that it was a terrifying. Go, like colossal size, like five squares across spider. Oh just rises out of the forest. Yeah, that's and... terrifying. That's no, like, no. <laughs> no bueno. Yeah, no. So funny story about spiders. Oh jeez. Well it's a good thing Jessica left. The uh, the DA uh, game that I played in, uh-huh. um, oh. not the one I not the ones I ran. Um, it, it followed. It was a, also an Inquisition era mm-hmm. game where we were we were basically Josephine's escort. Okay. Uh, during the uh, uh, during the of Fallen Fortunes quest, where she's going to meet with what turns out to be the uh, one of the House of Repose assassins. Oh. So. Uh, and on route, there's an assassination attempt, and we're tracking this assassin. And as we're following this, uh, like trailing this assassin through the Orlesian wilderness, um, there's a house there, like that we pass a manor house, a notable manor house, in fact, that we uh, that our Orlesian bard noted. Well, we do just a bit of reconnaissance, and my character is just thinking. This is a false lead. There are no tracks in there at all. There is no evidence that this guy even went in there. This is just badness, madness, and sadness. We're looking in, and it's full of spider webs. And I'm like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> Oil, torch, manor house on ah. fire. <laughs> Afterwards... We find out that uh, you know there were there were just a handful of clues, stuff that we'd already figured out in there. But the GM's like, "Yep, it was entirely meant to delay you guys. That was spiders and undead in the house, and you burned the entire house." Down. Nice, good job. Well played. Well, well played. Uh, she actually mentioned that we made it further in in her module than anyone else had. Like, it apparently, it was a very long okay. uh, piece with multiple stages. Nice. And the first time that she ran it, they only made it like a third of the way through. But um, we made it the whole way through. Kill, found the big bad, went and took them out. Nice. And God save. What helps when you burn the house down first? Yeah. <laughs> 
but that sounds like a good time. Arson for for fun and profit. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I ran my uh, my Dragon Age scenario three times, and um, mm-hmm. we had unfortunately we had one person walk away grumpy uh, because no. because they oh, no. they were playing one of the warriors, uh, and they went and they uh, let's see they tried to get like lots of attention, and they went uh, they 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 jumped in to. Uh, say hi to the, I think there were at least ten enemies, uh, like ten mooks in the, uh, uh, in the slaver's camp. Uh, and they have, mm-hmm. uh, I, I built the encounter to be an overwhelming, uh, scenario where mm-hmm. they have to stop and think, how do we approach this? Um, and he went in all guns A little bit. He was very excited to get into the fray, uh, and it didn't go very well for him, and unfortunately no one could get to him very quickly, so he uh, he got in a couple of rounds and took a couple of good shots, but fell unconscious. Um, but they, they kept him unconscious. They didn't kill him outright because they, they're, they're slavers. They want, they want to sell him. Mm-hmm. Because of course they do. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, he... Walked. He uh, at the end of the scenario, uh, he walked. He told me that uh, it's not a good game when someone doesn't get to do anything for an hour, and I, I didn't know what to tell him. He ran in, and yeah, no one could right. get to him. He was too far away from everybody else, and it was it was. Uh, I mean, that was the only like point, wrinkle. But otherwise, yeah, everybody, everybody, otherwise, everybody who came to my tables knew what Dragon Age was, and they were all uh, mm-hmm. very excited to get into it. At that point, it's like you made your bed, man. You got you, you got a lie in it. Yeah. You know? Was was it the yes. what chains are for scenario? Cool. That was a good one. Yes. I enjoyed yeah, that you one. got to so... play that one. That's right. I did get to play that one. Yes. You played it at uh, when I ran it at played Ithacon it for... last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of my friends fell down a hill, yes, hill and nearly happen. died. <laughs> um. Her mage, like, fell down like this two foot embankment. And failed to the save mm-hmm. on it or whatever, oh. and and nearly died. That's, that's Got down to those zero hit points. Ridiculous, and... but hilarious regardless. <laughs> Some had to rush yeah, over and get some first was... aid. Our warrior ran, rushed over and got him back on his feet, but that was funny. That was some good stuff right there. The I did also have a, a foible occur. It was the, the my last session of DA. Um... So I was using table tents to represent um, the different characters, because there are a lot of NPCs in Silver Wings on a Black Wall. And so I was using table tents to represent them um, on my GM screen. And I was so tired by that point that I grabbed the wrong (laughs) table tent. And if you read the adventure, there's an enemy at the very end during the big climactic boss fight that is meant to be a what the crap enemy. Uh oh. And right. I pulled out that oh, no. instead. So I gave away Oops. the big secret uh, uh, before like, uh. like an hour and a half before the before the they actually got to it. They were all good sports about okay. it. Like they didn't. Uh, they, oh, yeah. they still enjoyed. They still had a blast. And I, like almost everyone at the table that I had that entire weekend, were had played the video games obsessively and knew all the lore. Mm-hmm. And times. Were like, oh my god, it's Blackwall. 
like Robert Stroud. Oh, they're here. Look at his mustache. <laughs> it's Mr. Mustache. I never got to do this in he game. He does have a fabulous. I touch his mustache. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to touch Blackwell's beard. <laughs> your faint, your hands get stuck. Right. Mm, the, uh, that's okay. But it went, it went really well, and uh, I think they really liked the, uh, the 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 choices that you get to make in that Good. scenario. Because, like I said, it's, it's very open-ended. Excellent. Lots of... There are six different ways it can end. Ooh. So. All right. Good stuff. Nice. So. But. All right. I think I'm going to be turning into a pumpkin here, too. It is... It is sleepy time. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both for Good joining me. with you all. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Oh, yes. I have fun. It's always a good time. Always a blast. Absolutely. Well, uh, for those of you who are still listening to the show, thanks for joining. Thanks for sticking around with us for so long. Yeah, make her bless yeah, you for absolutely. that. Yeah, really. Goodness, we almost ended up at a two-hour show. Almost. This is what happens Sheesh. with our uh, post-show stuff. All right. <laughs> this is what happens when I don't stop talking. Hey, we're having a good time. If they didn't want to hear and it. All three of us. All three of us didn't stop talking, so it's True. not just you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank Four you of us both for Jess coming on, uh, and we will have to have you on again very soon. I'd love to. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, for those of you who are still out there listening, thank you so much for listening to the Ones of the Thetis podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.